Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 485, recorded live on Sunday, November 6th, 2016. And here are your hosts, the man who is still recording in his normal way, Dave Pillay. Hi. And the man who is back in his normal setup, Andy Lowe. Hi. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to be like, I've completely changed my entire recording setup. Nope. Nope. No. I'm, I'm back in my chair. With my mic on its own okay. normal stand. So no more like hitting the table and getting the kong kong. Well, hold on. Let me actually hit the table. Let me see if this does anything. Yes? No? Okay. No, that that is the sound. That, okay. That's still there. All right. I just don't, don't hit the table during the, the show. I just don't. Yeah, I don't hit the table because my, <laughs> my keyboard is right in front of me. So if I hit the table, I'd hit my keyboard. You're just smashing your keyboard. Yes. Okay. Cool. And I don't want to smash my keyboard. It's actually Kate's keyboard. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm glad because my my microphone's working this week, and mm. there was a, a distinct possibility that it wasn't going to. Oh, I downloaded some software this week <laughs> called Virtual Audio Cable. Have you played with that yet? Yes, yes, I have. VAC. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, but if you're not careful. <laughs> You can kind of screw up some of your sound settings. Yes, yes, you can. So Which, I was playing around with it to to make a uh, streamer where on Discord or Ventrilo or whatever, I would just have it playing music. It's not bad. Nope. What? Which which uh, which um, virtual panel are you using? Are you using VB Audios or are you using the actual VAC? VAC. Okay. The Visual Audio Cable Control Panel and Audio Repeater. Yeah, because I've been starting to try and use VB Audio's cable because what is VA- VB. What is VB Audio? Oh, it's another virtual audio cable thing there. Okay. Ah. Ooh. That is much more advanced. Mm-hmm. And it can do things like levels. Mm-hmm. How much does that one cost? I think that one's also free. Oh. I haven't I haven't looked too into it though. <laughs> Wait, I thought you just said you're using it. Oh, I've got it downloaded. I haven't actually tried it out yet. Because there's there's different labels. There's VB cable, there's the hi-fi cable, there's the voice meter, there's something called banana. <laughs> yep, I saw the banana thing. So it, it can get very complicated very quickly. Yep. I just haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Okay. But yeah, no, the, the virtual audio cable has been around for a long time. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sure if it's still even being updated. I don't know. So... That's, yes, that's that's my thing that I try out sometimes. It's really nice, though, if I want to hook Skype into Ventrilo or Skype into Mumble or something, mm-hmm. you can um, you can, you can can mix the two of them together, which would right. be nice. So that we, we could actually do, never mind, technical details. Hi, everyone. <laughs> We're in the weeds already. Oh, God, it took like three minutes. Yeah, we're already, we're already in the weeds. Uh, coach's poll just got released. Uh-oh. Uh, let's see. Alabama won, right? Yes. Michigan won. Yes. Clemson won. Yes. Uh, Wisconsin won. Yeah. Um, State, did State play last week? By last week, I mean yesterday. I think so. Did they win? Or did they lose? Oh, no. State lost to the, the Illini. They lost oh, to Illinois? God. They lost to Illinois. <laughs> So by transitive properties, Western Michigan can beat Michigan State. Michigan State. Well, the fact that Michigan State is two and seven, yes, I actually expect they could. Oh, that sucks. I'd really hoped that Michigan State was going to like win out the season. That that they were going to lose to Michigan, and they just have not. Oh my God, Andy! Ever since their game against Wisconsin, they haven't won. Wisconsin broke Michigan State. Ouch. Wait, Michigan's three? Wait, what? No, Michigan's two. No, no, Michigan's three now. Alabama's one, of course. Uh, Clemson is now number two, and Michigan is now number three. Um, say what? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm just looking at the full rankings. Week 11. All right, hold on. Let me just also check Western, Western. Western's, what the frack? What? Western's back down to 21 now. Okay. That also sucks. They won. Yeah, I know. They won. Uh, USA Today coaches poll. Alabama, Clemson, Michigan. Oh, my God. But look at how close. Look at how close Clemson and Michigan are. Yeah, four points. Four points out of five, like out of 1,500. Yeah. Bullshit. AP hasn't updated yet. Nope. College football poll comes out on Tuesday, or the college playoff poll comes out on Tuesday. So. Okay. Bullshit. Bullshit USA coaches poll. Oh. 
how badly did Clemson beat the shit out of their opponent last week? 54 to nothing. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, it can't be much, you know, can't be much more than Michigan. What, Michigan was what, 50, 59 to 3 or something? 49 to 3, 50 something to 3. Yeah. Uh, Michigan was, yeah, 59 to 3. 54 to nothing versus 59 to 3. And that was enough for the coaches to say, oh, nope, Clemson did better. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they're both undefeated this season, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Looking at their, their strength of schedule, maybe it's just I'm biased at the Big Ten. Michigan has had to play Penn State. They've had to play Wisconsin. They had to play, well, Michigan State, I guess, doesn't really count much this year. <laughs> that, that counted at the beginning of the year? Yeah, like, like at the beginning of the year, that was considered good strength of schedule. Um, they beat Illinois 41 to nothing. They beat Rutgers 78 to nothing. Illinois wasn't enough. It was 41 to 8, 78 to nothing. Like, the lowest scoring game Michigan has had was against Wisconsin. They scored 14 points against what's considered to be one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, I'm looking at Clemson. They beat Auburn. <clears throat> they beat Florida State. They beat you know, NC State. I, how many of these other teams were ranked when Clemson That's, beat them? Oh, I would have to start really digging into the data, and I don't want to do that right now. Okay. <laughs> But still, oh, the coaches pull really. That's oh, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, next week is against Iowa for Michigan, which which the rest of the games of the three games remaining traditionally two of these would be like blow off games, like whatever Iowa and Indiana. Yeah. Woo! But both teams are actually playing pretty good this year. And then the final game is of course the Ohio State game. Yeah, Western's got uh, Buffalo. No, not Buffalo. Buffalo's on Saturday. I think Kent State on Tuesday. Kent State on, I think it's Kent State on Tuesday. Hold on, let me look this up. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kent State on Tuesday. Buffalo on the 19th and Toledo, which is that, that's going to be the game right there. It's, it's, hey, look at that. Two blow-off games and a tough game all in the last three weeks. So there you go. So that should be interesting yeah. as well. There was a really uh, pretty awesome little trick play in the Michigan game. Oh. Quarterback gets the ball. Fakes a handoff, uh, actually hands it off, and he hands it off to uh, Jabril Peppers, who is known to be able to, like, throw the ball, right? Yeah. So Peppers takes the ball and throws it laterally and back just a little bit, back to the quarterback. And I mean, like, throws it. Like, it's not a handoff, it's not a toss. He passes the ball, but he passes it backwards to the quarterback, who is now completely wide open because there's no one around him because he handed off the ball who then throws it like 40 yards. (laughs) It's a beautiful play on so many levels, because if you're on the other team and you see the ball hurling through the air like that, you're like, all right, they passed it. I I don't need to worry about them passing it again. Yeah. Except that the pass went backwards, (laughs) which means it's still eligible to throw. So beautiful, beautiful game. Probably not so beautiful from the Maryland side. Yeah, no, that's it's one of those things you always tell people. It's like, this is nice, except, you know, there's always a loser on the team. On the game. Yeah. 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 Benedict Cumberbatch was on SNL last night. I, I, could, I guess. Was that the one hosted by Dave Chappelle? I, I don't know. He did a skit, though, introducing the, uh, yeah, no, it was Benedict Cumberbatch. Interesting. The host. Hmm. I guess I'll have to watch that then. So, yes, um, should we actually hit topics? I suppose. Because uh, probably don't want to leave Kate out there with all the leaves. <laughs> she's still raking uh no i well i did it before and then she she tagged in for the front yard which is where our maple tree is our lawn is literally yellow because of all the maple leaves that have fallen so we'll see how that looks uh when she finishes up um let's see what do we want to talk about uh that's a good question there's probably a, a number of things we could you want to talk about virtual food virtual food Virtual food. More Soylent topics? No. No. Soylent isn't virtual food? No. Soylent is, you know, actual Not even food. food. Yeah. No, this is like not even like you're... Let me just read you the first paragraph of the article. All right. I should probably go open the article. Yes. You're having dinner in a virtual reality game. The banquet scene in front of you looks so real that your mouth is watering. Normally, you would be disappointed, but not this time. You approach the food, stick out your tongue, and taste the flavors on display. You move your jaw to chew and feel the food's texture between your teeth. Um, okay. Interesting research. Yeah. Interesting project. I I kind of immediately jump to, like, non-intended uses. So first 
off trolling, right? Like, could you imagine having having sit down with a bunch of friends and just one of those friends happens to be a programmer and an asshole? <laughs> that's, that's not very far-fetched. Okay, go on. Right, like, that's... Of, of all the programmers you know, <laughs> how many of them have what, what are kindly referred to as senses of humor? <laughs> Unkindly referred so, to as being an asshat. Right, yeah. right. I mean, I wouldn't try to do something like this, but I know a number of people who would. Yeah. So, like, you sit down, and there's this beautiful meal, and you put it in your mouth, and it tastes like sand. And that's it. You are now eating sand. Well, that could be possible, because um, they they are able to now use electrodes. You can stick your tongue on some electrodes, and I think it's like, um, actually, the uh, changes in temperature are used to mimic um, taste. Okay, that seems weird. Are you sure you're reading that correctly? Yeah, the, their new project presented at the User Interface Software and Technology Symposium in Tokyo uses t- changes in temperature to mimic the sensation of sweetness on the tongue. The user places okay. the tip of their tongue on a square of thermoelectric elements that are rapidly heated or cooled, hijacking thermally sensitive neurons that normally contribute to the sensory code for taste. Interesting. Yes. Some also reported a sensation of spiciness when the device was warmer, a minty taste when it was cooler. So, so it's not really mimicking flavor. It's it's confusing your tongue. Right. But that's that's still not quite the same level as like tasting a steak. No. Getting the the general sense of sweet is very different than the complex layering of good food. Yes, that is true. Now, I could go into the kitchen and grab some of the peanut butter blossoms that Kate has in there, and there is a very complex layer to the sweetness Salty, of the cookie. Salty, sweet, crunchy. Yeah. Yep. I mean, crunchy is not a flavor, but no. you get the idea. Yeah, so that's that's the first half of it, is there are people who are trying to affect the actual taste, and then there are other people who are trying to affect the texture. This is at the University of uh, Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember those things you'd put on your abs, and they would, like, electrically shock your abs in order to get Tens them? units. Yes. Yeah. They're doing one of those for your... Uh, jaw master master muscle your, your what setter muscle the, the whatever the muscle that is in your jaw for chewing okay uh they'll put an electrode on there to basically you know give your <laughs> electrically stimulate that muscle so you know to give a food a harder texture they simulated the muscle at a higher frequency whereas a longer electronic pulse simulated a more elastic touch texture so you're not actually you know like you could try and pretend to bite down on something and you know the electronic feedback would mess with your muscles and your brain would be like oh okay you're actually you know chewing something hmm yes and no i mean it's the early stages of the research yes but it's, it's, it's out a there. long way away there is no joke legitimate research on trying to increase your VR experience with food. Like, if I were doing this sort of research, if I were on this research project, there is a particular group that I would go to to say, like, we can make you millions of dollars, but you have to fund us. And that would be? Porn. (laughs) Right? Right? How is that not a thing? You don't think so? Or you do think so, and that's why you're going, aww. Yeah. The porn industry would love to jump on this. All I'm doing is now I'm just sitting. I'm just sitting here shaking my head at you right now. You'll, and you'll never not be able to think about it like that again. Nope. I mean, there's already what are they referring to it as uh, teledildonics. Oh, jeez. Uh, nope, nope. I just I can't. <laughs> can't process that, huh? Nope. We're moving on. You are you are very very skittish on intimate topics. Sometimes yes. Or, Topics of intimacy, I guess, would be better it's, than intimate topics. That's, I just, oh, I just can't. I understand, yes, it could be, it, you know, could be, but I'm just. <laughs> could could be what, Andy? What could it be? It could exist, you know. Yes. It could be possible. Ooh, the uh, the Hearthstone tournament just finished, the World Championship. Yeah. Because, you know, BlizzCon. And they had this thing with Hearthstone where you get to actually you basically pick one of the guys who's playing, one of the top 16. And, you know, the number of wins that they got is the number of packs that you would get. Oh, cool. So I'm getting three packs for free. Nice. Picked a sort of winner. Yeah, I picked a, I picked a guy who got past the, the the round of sixteen to the semifinals and then lost there. So three packs plus a I think a uh, a participation one as well. Did you hear about the new the new cards at in Hearthstone? I have not paid any attention to Hearthstone whatsoever, Andy. 
They're doing cards that are tri-class cards. Tri-class cards. Tri-class cards, yes. So it's like mage, shaman, or something card. Yes. Interesting. I don't feel like that fundamentally changes anything. Well, it's going to allow you to, you know, have a greater... I don't know. It's it's going to expand the deck building possibilities. That's yeah, but no more so than any other card. What? It's going to be weird. No, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Yeah. Yes, it's going to take some I, time to get used. I to. I don't it. think, but I don't think it will. I mean, it's those cards do nothing by virtue of being multi-class cards, because exactly the same thing could have happened had they just added the same card to all three classes. That's, yes, that is true. So it it doesn't actually change anything beyond what normally adding a new card would. All it does is reduce the amount of art they need. (laughs) Reduce the number of art, plus, you know, normally when I'm, you know, doing ladder games... You look at a warrior and you lay down, he lays down a card and you're like, oh, he's a dragon warrior. All right. And you just, you just know that's what type of deck he's running. These try cards now. Aren't going to change that. Yes, it could still be a dragon like warrior, but now there's a greater possibility of, you know what class he is. Yes. It's not like you're using the cards to determine his base class. No. So by adding that layer of like, ooh, this could be multiple classes, doesn't change how the card is going to get used within the class. It's still going to be, oh, this is a Dragon Warrior. He's playing this card. This card is used in Dragon Warrior decks. It may also be used in like Stealth Rogue decks, but that's not going to affect the game because you're playing a goddamn warrior. (laughs) True. Well, now you're just making it just seem trivial, which it is. Because it is. It's... (laughs) I like, I like, ooh, try class cards. Wait a minute. That changes nothing. Again, the only thing it changes, unless there's more to this that you haven't told me and that I'm not aware of, because again, I haven't followed Hearthstone very closely lately. The only thing it changes is they don't need to create as many cards. Yes, no, that's... So they don't need to pay for the voices. They don't need to pay for the artwork. They, I'm, I'm guessing designing the one card takes longer than designing a normal card because you have to start balancing it against other things. But I doubt it is more time intensive than creating three cards. No, you're, you're, you're probably true. Yeah, it probably will take a little bit more time, but it's probably less than trying to do three cards. So this does nothing. Like, let's be clear. It saves Blizzard time and money. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me see the light. You're welcome. I'm going to go post on slash r slash Hearthstone now. (laughs) This changes nothing. Nothing. Oh, no, no. Come on. It's the internet. I wouldn't go out and make a statement. I'd go out and say, like, can someone explain to me why this is, like, so important? And then I'd respond and shoot down everyone's ideas. Mm. Well, other news that came out of (laughs) BlizzCon. Yeah. You know how Google was trying to figure out what they were going to do next with DeepMind after Go? No. Well, we, we had talked about this, I think, well, a time I, or no, two. I knew that they were trying, like, I knew, I didn't know that they were wondering. I didn't know that they were actively thinking, like, what else can we do with an AI? Well, they, they were trying to, they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do next. And okay. they've now officially announced that they're teaming up with Blizzard to have DeepMind go after StarCraft II. Really? Yep, StarCraft II. Uh, yeah, to the, uh, BlizzCon, Google announced their collaboration with Blizzard to open up StarCraft II to AI and machine learning researchers around the world. So I know that StarCraft had a similar thing because there are tournaments where the humans aren't allowed to play. There are StarCraft tournaments where there are no humans. Well, that seems fun. Where where can I see one of those? Um, Probably on YouTube. Yeah, like Twitch. just search StarCraft AI tournament. Uh, the SSCAIT, SSCAITournament.com, the Student StarCraft AI Tournament. Hmm. And it's it's all StarCraft, and it's just AIs playing StarCraft. It's bots and bots and bots. So with the rules for this DeepMind one, though, I mean, how how tightly are they going to integrate it, right? Because computers can cheat. Yes. Right? If the computer knows what's in there, they can cheat. And sending commands by computer is very fast. So if you could limit the computer and actually like put a mouse, a keyboard and a camera in front of it, I'm I, I'm OK with that, that the computer can only learn from what the human would normally be able to see. That could be interesting. That's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that the computer, you know, you can teach it to recognize the objects. That's fine. 
that's not going to be very hard, actually, because all the objects look the same. Yeah. But I, I want their AI to have to play by the same rules. Well, it's kind of like um, when Watson did Jeopardy. Yes, I know it was kind of, you know, they specially built the Jeopardy stage for Watson and they had all the hundreds of, you know, racks behind him, behind the set. Right. But they still, you know, had an actual, um, had an actual like solenoid to push the buzzer. Yep. And it had an actual, you know, text to speech engine for Watson to actually say what, you know, the what question. he's supposed to say. And I, if I remember correctly, there's actually like uh, specific rules for Jeopardies on what to do if you're, um, if the contestant is either blind or deaf. Buzzer is broken. Yeah. Like, you know, because they can't, they can't hear it if they're deaf. So they have to do their own thing if they're, I think it's something like that where they actually like contested that Watson was blind and or, or deaf or one of the two. And so there are special rules in Jeopardy for contestants who have disabilities, and they used those to input the data into Watson. So, you know, the whole Watson backend was completely, you know, Watson, but he still was using playing by the regular right. Jeopardy rules. And, and so I think that should be the same idea. Yeah, no, that would, that would make sense. You get, you get your mouse, you get some sort of, like, 2D scroller movement sort of thing there, which it shouldn't be too hard to... Well, you actually would probably need a, a pickup as well to pick up the mouse and move it. I mean, I'd, I'm even okay with, like, it not necessarily having to pick up the mouse to move it, but just it having a mouse, right? Like, yeah. it still has to go to those areas. It still has to click and select... I'm also kind of curious to see, though, because the, the other th- the previous things that DeepMind has done has all been turn-based. Mm-hmm. So there really isn't, you know, like a, a this constant... This is real-time. Yeah, a constant real-time well, thing. I mean, you, you, it's a computer. Yeah. You want it to be real-time, you just set the turn length to be like a half a second. Yeah. Or a quarter second, or a tenth of a second, or a sixtieth of a second. But yeah, no, the, the constant, you know, checking and rechecking and rechecking and rechecking, it's... It's going to be interesting to do that real time versus, well, especially like Deep Blue originally. Mm-hmm. Um, it just sat there and brute forced all of the possible outcomes. Right. <laughs> There's no way you can brute force real time data information. Correct. But um, AlphaGo wasn't brute forcing. No, that was machine right? that learning. Was, that was, was the whole point of AlphaGo yep. is that you can't brute force Go. In any reasonable amount, like, there's just too much going on. Well, how long did AlphaGo's turns last? Do we know? Um, I don't know offhand, but I know that they, uh, I mean, they, they played with, they played within the limits. Yes. Right? Like, I know that in most of those games, uh, who was, it was Lisa Dahl, right, was the challenger, mm-hmm. was the yeah. human player. He ran out of time. Mm. He ran out of time before AlphaGo did. Oh, jeez. Hardware versions of AlphaGo, there's actually a little list of it. 64 search threads, 1920 CPUs, 280 GPUs. Uh, It looks like two seconds of thinking time was given for each move originally. So yeah, no, even two seconds in StarCraft could still be... Oh, that's, that's way too much, yeah. It should be interesting to see how it pivots, though. That's what it's really going to be all about. How quickly it can respond to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so the other part of this is it's kind of nice because they're opening it up to multiple AIs. Yes. Right? So if anyone else is out there who says, like, I bet I could do better than Go and do better than uh, DeepMind, it would be really interesting to see uh, if, they, if they allowed this to compete at one of the tournaments. But again, I, the only way I'd let that happen, you know, with all the control that I have of the process is if the AI uh, has to see the computer screen and interact with the keyboard and mouse. Mm-hmm. There's actually a really great story about that interacting with the keyboard and mouse. Uh, back on the stock exchange, when they first added computers to the stock exchange, uh, and someone made a, a machine to enter the trades in, the, the security exchange commission said, no, you have to type it in. And so they made... A, a, basically a little keyboard robot that would type in the trades as quickly as it could. Hey, they're playing by the rules. Yep. For the first automated trading, it was actually a, a little robot that would type onto the keyboard because those were the rules. All right. Okay, so we worked closely with the StarCraft II team to develop an API that supports something similar to previous bots written with a scripted interface, allowing programmatic control of individual units and access to the full game state with some new options as well. Ultimately, agents will play directly from pixels. So to get us there, we've developed a new image-based interface that outputs a simplified low-resolution RGB image data for mapping and minimap, and the option to break out features into separate layers like terrain, highlight field, unit type, unit health, etc. 
Okay, so it's going to image recognize. Yes, but they're, it'll, they're, it'll look they're at the pixels take, and do image recognition. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take the the screen data and this picture down here actually points it out pretty well. They're just gonna you know not make it look fancy, but make it look it so the machine can actually understand what the individual pixels are. So that's that pretty be, cool. Yeah. We're also working with Blizzard to create curriculum scenarios which present increasingly complex tasks to allow researchers of any level to get an agent up and running and benchmark different algorithms and advances. Nice. Oh, my God. Because that's the, that's the one thing machine learning needs to do is it can it can teach itself, but it needs to know what the goal is. Yeah. Which the question is, like, okay, guess the All overarching the, goal is to win. The goal is to win. Or to not play the game, depending on. The goal is, yeah, the goal is the victory screen. Yeah. But how do we get there? There's, it's like, okay, yes, you know, I'm, I'm thinking your first goal for artificial intelligence is just to survive as long as possible. You know, if they keep on trying different things and you, that's an, it's an easy thing to test. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. this game lasted this long. It was not as long as the last time. So therefore my new ideas this turn didn't work as well. Next time I'm going to try this. Oh, I lasted longer in the game. Then I'm yep. guessing these are positive actions and I'll try using these again. <laughs> it just sits there. <laughs> It oh could, God! It could. It's be. possible it would just sit there. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I'm I'm hoping that they've delivered, they being Blizzard, are delivering to the AI is the ability to speed up the simulation. Oh yeah, because the, the because I mean you need these AIs to play through hundreds or thousands of attempts. Yes. And StarCraft takes a while. Like even a fast game is a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. So even if you feed it a lot of initial data and have it just watch games, like it it still has to practice thousands and thousands of times to evolve. So hopefully either Google implements some form of parallel AI learning, which is also kind of creepy, or they just have a, me- a mechanism to speed up the game time. Yeah, one of the two. Time. One of the two. Although the parallel AI learning could be kind of fun. You do like a, a hypothesis and you test it four different ways all at the same time. See which one's best. Keep it. Move on. Hmm. I wonder if anyone's actually done that with AI learning. I don't know. Have to do some research on that. Because I know they've got the generational thing going, but I don't know if they do it in parallel yet. In any case, back to our list of topics. Um, Blizzard is starting an Overwatch League. This surprises how many people? Nobody. It's Right. <laughs> oh, Activision Blizzard wants to keep uh, tight control over how their esports games are played? <gasps> yeah. Isn't that why Activision bought Blizzard? I, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's like... They wanted esports. Well, or was got, that? Yeah, they, they've got esports, and now it's an official league that's going to be run by Blizzard. Yep, because they wanted the StarCraft esports, and then from there on, they built out Hearthstone, Heroes of the Storm, and now Overwatch. Yep. Okay. Well, good for them. That's sure kind of impressive. Not really impressive. No. Uh, other video game news, uh, EA, yep. and I think it was Ubisoft, they both had their uh, shareholder phone calls, conference calls the other day. Um, and mm-hmm. first off, Ubisoft said they're not going to rely on pre-orders much anymore because most of their games, you know. Um, okay, that, uh, that sounds good. The crew posted revenues in the first half of the year this year that were equal to what it posted in the first half of last year. So they're like, the pre-orders don't really matter much anymore. It's, you know, according to Ubisoft, it's all about the long tail. It's about, you know, keeping your games. Right. It's not that first order. It's a lot of the extras. Yeah. So they're saying like, you know, we're still seeing people doing Rainbow Six Siege. We're still people, you're still seeing people do The Division. Rainbow Six was December 2015, Division was March 2016, The Crew was December 2014, and we're still seeing, you know, they're like, people are still playing the game, we're still, you know, keeping it updated, we're still adding new content to these things. You know, it's it's not about that first major punch, it's about, you know, keeping people entertained. And EA, literally like a day or two later, said the same thing. Is Well, that's awesome, because that means that maybe they'll stop putting as much focus on the, like, actual release and putting more focus on making sure they're releasing a game that works yes it's one of those things where it's uh every time um every time we drive a new event around a particular property as part of a live service that acts as a beat that drives conversation in social channels about the games that we play so as you think about an elongated initial marketing cycle as we think about the power of our network and the amount of players that we have in it playing every day and we think about the live services that we have wrapped we are really transforming how we market our games and we're believing we're getting a much much stronger roi on every dollar spent 
So he's like, we need to, you know, stop this constant release. We just need to spread the games, give the games more life. Yes, I understand that, you know, EA's got Madden every single year. And that's that's a thing, but still, I'm glad they're finally deciding. It's like you know, let's let's put games. Was it games as a service? Is what it's normally called? Um, I mean, there's software as a service. I don't know if there's games as a service. I don't know if anyone actually calls it that. Uh, true meaning of games in a service. Yeah, that's it's a it it it's a thing. I'm glad I heard that term correctly. Um, so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna actually try and lengthen the game's usage, which is I think great. Yay. It's good for us. We'll see how the the industry actually goes about doing this. Yes. Uh, I think ideally that they they will you know wait to release games until the game is fixed and works, rather than throwing it out there. Yeah, and then you know patch you know, it later. You do know who's going to be against this? Who? GameStop. Mm. They want those day one orders. They want those pre orders. Yeah, they really too, want those pre orders. So I guess too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think GameStop is going to take that as an answer. No, probably not. Although maybe with their other acquisitions, because they they were like buying other stuff. They bought ThinkGeek, right? Or was yes. that Hot? I think it was uh, ThinkGeek topic. and Hot Hot Topic. I think it was. Both, I remember right? they both wanted it. No, it, it was GameStop and Hot Topic both wanted to buy ThinkGeek. Who actually bought it? GameStop. GameStop bought ThinkGeek a year and a half ago. Ah, okay. Didn't somebody want to buy Hot Topic though, or no? Not that I'm aware of. Mm. <laughs> Hot Topic had talked about wanting to buy ThinkGeek. Gotcha. Well, the GameStop's already trying to diversify itself, so we'll keep that going. Yeah. Uh, Facebook announced their Game Room. Game it's Room? Game Room. It's a Windows desktop gaming platform. Wait a minute. Wait, a Windows desktop gaming platform brought to you by Facebook? Mm-hmm. So I get to play, like, Farmville? Yep. Game Room lets users play web, ported mobile, and native Game Room games in a dedicated PC app free from the distractions of the newsfeed. Huh. Interesting. Export games from Unity directly to Facebook Game Room. Okay, so that's just saying that you can build directly for it. Okay. Well, I guess if it lets you play, like, Android games on your PC, that's kind of cool. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Like, there's some mobile games that it would be nice to play, just not mobile. Well, there's sometimes where, you know, it could just easily have it up and running and not... At the same time, if it is like location based, I'm not sure how that's going to work. Okay, so you don't pay, you don't play Pokemon Go on your computer, but you can play things like Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne, all those other yeah Android app games. But what about the ones that are supposed to be like touch based? I don't know. It uh, yeah, I don't know though. But trying to trying to fight Steam that's hard to do. Yeah. I, that, so here's the trick to fight Steam: don't fight Steam. <laughs> No, you can't. You have to go for a, a different market. And I think that's what they're doing here. They aren't going for the PC gamer market. No, this is the this is the, the casual mobile gamer market? I think so. It's the Facebook gamers, right? It's the yeah. people who sit and play, like, seven hours of Candy Crush. Now, you can put PC games into this, but I'm not sure that people are going to. Facebook I... opened up the beta build for developers. Facebook Game Room for PC gaming. I mean, they say they're going for PC gaming, right? It's in the yeah. title. Yes. But I think that's just, why is Facebook getting into this? What, what do they see as a profit stream from this? They can tie it into Oculus well, I'm in the thinking same way. They can, you, you put an app on the Facebook Game Room yeah. rather than, you know, Amazon App Store or something, and Facebook will get a cut of all the in-game app purchases? Maybe? Possibly? I doubt. Well, I don't know what in-app purchases are going to look like. I mean, does Facebook even do in-game purchases? Yeah, they, they have, have to. They, they have the Facebook coins and everything. They have the Facebook okay. games. So that would still come through the same way. So they could get a chunk of that mad cash. But what's their... I mean, that's that's nothing new, right? Like, people are already doing that sort of thing. So what are they aiming for on a larger scale? Can they actually be considering going after Steam? I mean, that is a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. That is not something that you're like, we're going to take them down. I mean, more power to them. If they if they come up with a quality product, I am a little concerned because it's Facebook, and Facebook tends to, uh, you know, rip your privacy to shreds. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't need Facebook knowing what game I'm playing when I'm playing it. Yeah, you go to the Facebook games, um, facebook.com slash games right now, and the first thing in there is download Game Room. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Add shortcuts to your favorite games to your desktop and start menu. So that way I don't actually, if I wanted to play... Um, 
what was the Facebook game that I was playing? Um, Evil Genius. Evil Genius Online. That was yeah. through Facebook. Civ Revolution. Yes, that was also through Facebook while it lasted. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting topics, though. This, I, I like the the spread we've got so far. What else do we have? What's LastPass got for us? Uh, LastPass announced that you can now manage LastPass for all your devices for free. Oh, so before you had to, you know, you'd get to pay twelve dollars a year to sync your passwords across multiple devices, such as yeah. you know, computer, laptop, phone, etc. Now it's free. Now it's free. Good for them. I actually pay for um, Dashlane. Mm. I, I like their service. I like the two-factor authentication that they have and the, how it ties into Google Auth, and it's where all my passwords are right now. This is not I couldn't log into Amazon if my life depended on it. <laughs> What's your Amazon password? Tell me or I blow your brains out. I don't know. Somebody really wants to get into your order history? I oh God, please no. <laughs> Why, Dave? What have you been... Nothing. Nothing at all. Have you ever gone to Amazon and downloaded your entire order history? Uh, no. I know did I can. Know? Yeah. So, I did... And then I threw it into some data visualization software. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> Looking at like how much you've spent on what categories you spent it on and where it was shipped to. And all, oh, my God, it's so terrifying. Mm. It's kind of interesting because you can always see, you know, there's a spike around like November and December. And when you ship to other places, you know, who are you sending it to? And you're like, oh, right. I sent Christmas gifts that year. And it's all the different gifts and where they went. And you can actually map that out. So it's it's fun, but it's also terrifying. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're starting to do the Black Friday stuff. Oh, shit. That's coming. That is coming, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Amazon's supposed to be doing like a week for Black Friday. Something, I don't know. They keep on trying to push it farther and farther. Speaking of Amazon, though, and this is not on our topic list, somebody was able to put the Amazon Echo into a Billy the Big Mouth bass. Oh, God. Oh, God. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> yes, yes. It Rather than having that, you know, Amazon Echo on your countertop, you could have Billy the Big Mouth bass. Alexa. <laughs> Would that be okay? Kate wants to know having a Billy the Big Mouth bass on the wall is that yeah. creepier or not as creepy as our Echo with the googly eyes? Your Echo with the googly eyes isn't really creepy in the long run. Billy would be creepier. <laughs> he says Billy would be creepier. Still, that would be it'd be interesting to put you know Amazon Echo in things that are not you know yeah. normally the Amazon Echo. I mean, Alexa, your Alexa just. She's always watching. She never blinks. <laughs> no. I think she'd be less creepy if she if she blinked. I think blinking googly eyes would be creepier than Or if her eyes were just closed eyes. until you said her name and then they opened. Like a Furby? Yes. Like a Furby. That's that's the next one. So he puts it in Billy the Big Mouth Bass. Now he needs to put Alexa in a Furby. <laughs> Which it wouldn't be hard to do because you can get the API, and I've seen people run the API on a Raspberry Pi. Yep. So that wouldn't be hard to do. The Furby, you just the rest of a- the equipment is there for the Furby. Yeah. And you just change uh, the the API call that normally does like the blue lights across the top when you say her name mm-hmm. to just activate the eyes. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Especially if you know, because the blue light like points to where it hears the voice coming from. If you get mm. that with the Furby eyes, so it will actually open up and then look at you. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has gone too far. This is now a bad idea. <laughs> it's we've swung the pendulum the other way. Um, do you want to also hear about something freaky? I because Alexa isn't freaky enough. Sure, what else is freaky? You hitting the table. No, I hit the mic stand. You hitting the mic stand. Yes. Okay, that's um, not freaky, Andy. I that's know. just bad positioning of your mic yes. stand. Yes. I say um, this having hit my stand like three times in the show already. There's a project called Voco done by Amazon, which they're claiming is Photoshop for audio. By Amazon, you mean Adobe? Yes, sorry. Adobe. (laughs) Adobe is creating a project called Voco, which all it needs is 20 minutes of you speaking, and it can figure out your phonetics and your other things there, and you could type in things to say, and it will say it in whatever voice you've inputted into the system. Huh. We have developed a technology called Project Voco in which you can simply type in the words or word that you would like to change or insert into the voiceover. The algorithm does the rest and makes it sound like the original speaker said those words. 
Interesting. But at the same time, like, how does it get inflection within the sentence? It listens. You just got to input, he said, as long as there's 20 minutes of recorded speech. But how does it get inflections in the sentence? I don't know. I'm not the, I don't know how this algorithm works, but. Okay, but how does it get inflections in the sentence? You see my point, right? Yes, because you kept on asking the same question with different inflections. Right. So I, having, so at at work, we record uh, e-learning videos. Yes. Right. And I I have some history with audio editing. Go figure. (laughs) What? So I will sometimes help out some other people with their, their stuff. And like, sometimes there'll be a missing word in a script. And so Adobe is claiming that with this, you would just like type in the word and poof, there it is. But making that word sound consistent with the rest of the sentence is a lot harder than just having the computer generate that word. I don't I don't know what they're doing with the algorithm, but according to the people who have seen this demonstration, it's freaky. That is very it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's just like, you know, the, the times people have gotten in trouble with, you know, photoshopping images for able to do this now in audio form. Yeah, that's that's really kind of terrifying. Now, I do have to say, though, you know, Amazon is going to love this because they own Audible. Amazon or Adobe? No, Amazon's going to love this. I'm using Amazon correctly okay. this time. Right. Because Amazon owns Audible. Audible. And so so you're thinking that audiobooks would use this because you would just record someone for 20 minutes and then poof, you have an audiobook. Yes. Or if somebody, you know, records an audiobook and then they realize, you know, two or three three weeks later, they misspoke about something or they mispronounced a character's name or something like that. Rather than, you know, bringing the voice recorder back in and having to re-record all the sections with that name, they can just go in with this audio editing software, boop, 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 and it's done. So, you know, for Amazon, this would be a great thing to have. For everybody else, this now is terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. If they need 20 minutes of recorded speech, we give them three times that every single week. We can just just, just feed in our podcast. Yes. Especially, do you still have separate tracks for it? uh, Not anymore. I just get rid of the separate. So I, I don't know how well this would handle two voices. That's true. That is true. Would it just come up with like some weird amalgamation of Andy and the Dave? two of us? Oh God, that would be terrifying. <laughs> it it would be a bit freaky. So yeah, no, this I'm I'm very curious to see where this goes. It's it's it can it can get dark really quickly, especially you know like virtual food. Are, wait, are you suggesting that this audio thing is also going to be used for porn? Could be. What, like reading smut? I, I failed to see where the audio piece is going to come in. That, that could be, I don't know, you could have some famous person say whatever like, you want to say. I, I could take a 20-minute sample of Scarlett Johansson's voice and then have her read Fifty Shades of Grey to me. Sure. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. Are you printing something? Uh, Laura is printing something. <laughs> It was like, what are you, are you, are you doing work during the podcast? No. Um, so two updates from previous topics we've talked about. The first is, uh, remember how we talked about John Deere was going to like sue people who tried to hack their software in the tractors? Yeah, the DMCA. They were claiming that the, the farming equipment was subject to DMCA. Well, not anymore. Did the the Library of Congress change? The Library of Congress uh, put in a two-year trial period. So mind you, this is only for the next two years. It's a trial period that um, allows you to be exempt from any lawsuit every time you reverse engineer any type of device that you own. Whoa. So right now, if you wanted to, you could hack your own device for the next two years and not be liable for any lawsuit from the company. Whoa. You know what that's going to do, right? Which is? John Deere is no longer going to sell tractors. (laughs) They're going to lease them. True. Like, there's no way. Because they, they can't, right? They don't want people there. They have fought so hard against people trying to, to reverse engineer the system that, like, I could see them stopping their tractor sales and just moving it to be an, an indefinite lease. 
Because this is only on things you own, right? Yes, I do believe so. I have to actually read all of Section 1201. Oh, my God. Good luck. Yeah, no, that's a, that's probably a lot of legalese that I do oh, not want to get into. Okay, so essentially... Oh, yeah, here we go. For, Violations for regarding... Worth, hang on, hang on. Uh-huh. To be clear, Andy and I are not lawyers. We do not have the advice of, of legal counsel. Uh, if, if you, on our words, go through and start hacking your own equipment, and it turns out that you didn't have the legal right to do so... Not our fault. Yes. God, I'm starting to read code 1201, and I'm already reached subparagraph A. And during each succeeding three-year period, uh, upon the recommendation of the registers of copyrights, who shall consult with the Assistant Secretary of Communications and Information of the Department of Commerce and report... And comment on his or her views in making such recommendations shall make the determination in a rulemaking proceeding for the purpose of subparagraph B of whether persons who are users of a copyrighted work are or are likely to be in the succeeding three-year period adversely affected by the prohibition under subparagraph A in their ability to make non-infringing uses under this title. Just stop. (sighs) Just stop. No. Just stop. (laughs) That's just one paragraph. That's I haven't good, even I haven't enough, even Andy. reached the rest of the Roman numerals. You're fine. Oh you my can stop. gosh! Oh, that hurt my head. Yep. Okay, so now the new DMC exceptions don't mean open season for hackers, even you know the friendly research focused kind of hackers. Uh, these oh. are good faith restrictions, so researchers can still be sued or prosecuted under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, for instance, if they're determined to be gaining unauthorized access to a computer they don't own. So yeah, there's your thing. There is so you okay? As- yeah. Well, but like. We'll see what happens. Yeah, the measure allows research on personal devices, but not on the internet services to which they connect. So you can't hack to the servers. You can only no. do local stuff. Yes. So you, you can't hack GM's OnStar server through their OnStar device, but you could, if you own a GM car with OnStar, hack the car itself. But does that mean, so, well, I guess it's computer fraud if I start using the car to send fake data back to GM. Yes. Because that's fraud over, uh, it's far, fraud and wire transfer problems, yeah. Yeah, which is a big deal. Don't do that. Yes, no, that's that's bad. Yeah, okay. Uh, level 3? Level 3 and CenturyLink, which are probably two companies nobody's ever really heard of. Well, are, no, people who listen to the show have better have heard of Level 3. Yes, but CenturyLink, probably not. Uh, it's from a long time ago. Yeah. Um, they're going to be merging in a $34 billion cash and stock deal. What does level three get out of this? Um, level three shareholders would get twenty six fifty a share in cash and one point four two eight six shares of CenturyLink for each level three share that they own. So wait, CenturyLink is buying level three? Yes. Not the other way around. No. I didn't think CenturyLink was that big. They are number. They are what number three right now for enterprise customers. And Holy level, shit. Yeah, CenturyLink is number three. Uh, level three is number four. We're talking like these things. <laughs> CenturyLink are, is level three. Level three is level four. Sorry. But yeah, yeah, but so these these guys are basically all about enterprise customers. These are the guys who provide internet service to people like Amazon, Google, Facebook. Right. These are well, not, you level know. Level three does, yeah. but does I guess CenturyLink is bigger than I thought it was. Yeah. No, these these are these are the big enterprise customers for internet service. Yeah. So the two of these are going to combine, providers. and they're, they're now going to be the second largest enterprise internet service provider behind oh. AT&T. All right. Well then. Which is good for us because uh, Kalamazoo is a level three on that metro area. Um, so uh, this will hopefully, we could use this. I think our contract is going to be up soon for our current ISP. So we could see, you know, what this does to our prices. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, $34 billion in stock and cash. That's a lot. Yep. Uh, SpaceX has uh, finally figured out what happened when its rocket exploded. Ooh, what, what happened? Uh, according to them, well, this, uh, who said this? I think Elon Musk said this. I think we've gotten to the bottom of the problem, really surprising problem that's never been encountered before in the history of rocketry. And it basically involves a combination of liquid helium, advanced carbon fiber composites, and solid oxygen. It's never <laughs> happened before in history. So this was the toughest puzzle solved that we've ever had to solve. So, uh, anomaly update released last week. SpaceX said it had narrowed down its investigation into the mishap to one of the three composite overwrapped pressure vessels inside the liquid oxygen tank. So, they figured out what happened. It's never happened before. They think they fixed it, and they're going to resume rocket launches in mid-December. So, that's that's a lot of time spent trying to figure out what, what was it, 93 milliseconds? 
Was the whole length of the, from first uh, anomaly of data to actual explosion was like less than a second? Oh, God. 93 milliseconds is less than a tenth of a second. Oh, sorry, yes, you're right, because 930 would be less than a second. Yeah, so less than a tenth of a second from data to uh, explosion, and they've hopefully figured it out now. Well, okay then. So yeah, mid-December, they should be uh, up and launching again. Yay. I wonder what it was. I mean, it's probably like so ridiculously advanced that there's no good way to tell. Probably not. Okay, let's. I'm trying to find the actual Elon Musk. Uh, so, 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 so it's never happened. Yeah, solid oxygen. Oxygen so cold that it's actually solid. That's crazy. Yeah, now I'd have to watch the video to get the whole description, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's what's going on. Um, the U.S. is suing Directv ATT for what? The merger? Um, no, actually. Uh, in a complaint filed in U.S. District Court in California, it alleges, it, allu- it alleges that DirecTV was a quote-unquote ringleader in a coordinated scheme with cable companies Cox and Charter to basically collude against the L.A. Dodgers. Dodgers fans were denied a fair competitive process when DirecTV orchestrated a series of information exchanges with direct competitors that ultimately made consumers less likely to be able to watch their hometown team. The lack of a competitive negotiation process is especially bad for consumers in a market like cable television where customers only have a handful of choices. So they were negotiating the rights with the telecasters or to telecast the Dodgers channel because they're just kind of like, you know, the Big Ten Network and the Yankee Sports Network and stuff like that. There's a Dodgers channel now hmm. that's that's owned and operated by the baseball franchise and Time Warner Cable. So then DirecTV started, you know, sharing information about their negotiations with the other cable providers and they colluded against the Dodgers company, and basically you couldn't actually watch a, Dodger, a Dodgers game on cable in L.A. Oops. So, so yeah, so the, the U.S. government is now suing DirecTV for collusion. Well, I, I don't really know what to, to say to that. <laughs> Other than companies need to stop being dicks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we should right, probably then. we should probably hit the. Uh, I'm I'm all for that. The random. It is uh, random sort review. of both our weeks for the random yes. review because we skipped last week. Yes, and so this week we are co-reviewing Civ Six C I V V I V I I V V I V I C I V V I. Yeah. So, Dave, how many hours have you already put into this? Um, not as many as you might expect. Let me go look. I've now, gotten... I leave it. I did leave it running for like a day. Oh. So the time might not be 100% accurate. Um, Steam has me at 36 hours. Call like five of that me not actually being there. So about 30 hours. I'm currently at 15 hours. Okay. I have actually not played a game above the Settler difficulty. Yeah, I have played Chieftain. Mm. So I played Settler, and I beat it, and then I played Chieftain, and I beat it. And that's, that's my goal, is I'm going to just keep moving up the list until I can't go any further, and I, I start losing, and then I'll keep at that until I get better. Uh, I have two victories, one Settler, one Chieftain. The Settler was a cultural victory, and then I turned off that victory type for Chieftain, and I'm going to keep doing that as well. Yeah, it's the same thing I did with uh, Civ Five. So, yeah. What do you think of it? I have played multiple games up to 200 turns each, and I feel like after 200 turns, I haven't really accomplished anything. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there playing it going like, okay, I should be, you know, feel like I'm doing something. I'm playing on the standard, you know, speed level. I played yeah. for a couple hours and... 200 turns puts you where? Uh, 19... No, 18... 1800s, I think. Okay. Maybe late 1700s. I have been getting... Starting to get into... Um, what's, ever, what's, what's after the medieval era? Renaissance? Yes. I've been starting to get into the Renaissance era. Okay. Yeah, no, it's... So what do you think? You're you're getting 200 turns in and then pausing or stalling? No, that's, that's it. It just feels like it just stalls. It's been. I feel like I've been stalling the whole time. I just don't feel like I'm you know accomplishing anything. What would you expect to accomplish? I don't. I don't know. It just. It just feels. It feels just. It, it feels slow. And I'm not even playing on the slow speed. Um. I don't. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, Andy. I've been playing it. See, here's the thing for me: it feels like a Civ game. Like that's that's what it's it's feeling like. It's a Civ game, which is great. And I don't know why I haven't been playing it more. 
because when I sit down and play games, I'm like, I think I'll play Path of Exile or I think I'll play more Factorio. So I haven't really been playing a lot of it because, well, I I don't know. It just hasn't been drawing me in quite the same way. Yeah, I... I think part of my problem is the fact that I, it's a 4X game and I have to get down into the nitty gritty right off the bat. It's like, because the way, you, instead of, you know, having one tile for your city and you build your improvements out around the city, now I've got to figure out, okay, where do I want to build this holy site? Okay, where do I want to build this campus? Well, I don't want to build it on top of the farm because that's going to reduce my food. Okay, I can't build a road, so I got to, you know, I have to build this thing. It took me three games to figure out how to build a fishing boat. What? It took me three games to figure out you how to build a fishing boat. put a builder boat. in the water. Yes, I didn't think builders could go in the water. So I thought I had to build a harbor. And I'm sitting there going like, well, I can't build any naval units. I have to build a city on the coast. And then I'm sitting there like, okay, am I going to have to build another city on the coast, even though it's not good placement because there's not fresh water, in order to build a fishing boat, in order to take that fishing boat up to my other city in order to build a, you know, a, a fishing boat. But no, it... I'm suddenly realizing, oh, I can put the builder in the water? Yeah. Oh. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? You can put a builder in the water. It's just, it just wasn't, ex- I'm sitting there going like, I've played Civ before. Yeah. I'm sitting here in my library. No joke. I have Civ 3, Civ 4, Civ 5, Civ Beyond Earth. Sitting right next to you. Sitting right here, installed, ready to, I could play Civ 3 right now if I wanted to. Why would you want to? I don't know, but I could. <laughs> Um, so part of, of Civ for me, though, has, has actually been getting to play it with friends, and I haven't gotten to do that yet. I feel kind of down that I haven't gotten to do that yet. I have heard that their their netcode, the communication between computers, is not great, and that they're planning on fixing it, but that the turns just aren't working properly. Oh, good. Great. Yeah. Um, but it, it's a Civ game. It's a good game. And I can understand your, your like where you're coming from on the I've done 200 turns and I just don't feel like I'm accomplishing something. And my recommendation for that would be play military. That's that's what I feel like I'm going to have to do. But it's one of those things where it's like you have all the options in front of you. And so I wanted to try, well, you but know, just most most of the other options are very passive options. Cultural victory, religious victory, science victory. These are all very passive things. Religion, not so much religion. You need to actually go out and start doing stuff. Oh my gosh! That I do just say their religion was kind of funny. Somebody was trying to spread Islam to my uh, city, which I had founded. I think I called that religion aliens. Yeah. Um, and so I created a uh, an apostle. An alien <laughs> just, apostle. Yeah. And I just had him just like patrolling my cities, and you see yeah. all these Islam missionaries just come across the lake, and they'd land, and my <laughs> my apostle would just literally just kill them. And they just keep on sending more missionaries. My apostle just kept on killing them. Like, this is kind of fun. Yeah, the the religion combat. So unlike previous civs, religion is now a combat. And it is a wholly separate combat, no pun intended. <laughs> well done. Thank you. But, like, they, they are different combats, right? Normal. Well, it's, it's kind of weird because you actually can attack with a normal unit, a normal military unit. You can attack religious units if you're at war. Yes. But if you're not at war, you have to attack. You can't attack them with normal units, and they can't ever attack normal units. But, yeah, that's, uh, it's a different system. Mm-hmm. It's a, you have to track two different types of combat now. It's, yeah, no, that's the other thing. It's like, okay, I got to keep track of so much more stuff. It, oh, I just, I just feel like I was getting bogged down in the details. Yep. And I do have to say, the <laughs> the user interface, some things were not intuitive. I'm sitting here going like, I had I had a scout that I accidentally clicked automatically explore. Mm-hmm. So he went running off somewhere. I'm like, well, shit, where the hell is he? Am I going to have to literally scour this whole map to try and find my guy there? Because... No, you automatic- can select him. How? Uh, if you click on the unit name of whatever unit you have selected, it shows you all your units. Four games. It took me four games to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I had guys everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Where, where, where is that in the instruction manual? Where? It's not. It's nowhere. Yeah. Don't you ever just click around? No. Didn't you ever notice that it flashes when your mouse moved over it? No. Oh, Andy. Oh, no. 
that and you know how you used to hit c to center the map on a new on your character no well you used to be able there was a keyboard shortcut for that where you could actually hit c and center the map on whatever character you actually needed you know to move i did not know that that doesn't well it doesn't work anymore you hit c and you open up your civic tree oh thanks for the shortcut to the civic tree oh you're welcome but i don't use the civic tree all that much i'd rather you know have my c button actually center it on what current unit is (laughs) needs moves Mm. you can always i think hit w or you can click on the unit uh the unit icon like that's i just always i never learned c because there's like six ways to do it anyway Mm-hmm. And so I just always did that. But it's just, some of the stuff was counterintuitive. There's already a bug in there. Anytime somebody in my um, world builds Stonehenge, yeah, the little icon on the right side that, you know, tells you about civ- civ- city states and, you know, that sort of thing there, it always tells me that somebody has built Stonehenge and it won't go away. Well, that's odd. I do not have that bug. I do. It's just like, yeah, yes, I know. I realize somebody built Stonehenge. Nope. And stop I, telling I me. I do not have that bug. I did have a, a ridiculously long load time bug. Oh, yes, I heard about that. Like, I'd start the game, and then I'd go downstairs and make food, and I'd come back up, and it would still be loading. That's uh, Windows Defender, I think? Mm, It wasn't for me. Oh, there's a lot of people complaining that Windows Defender was automatically trying to, uh, I guess, like, scan the EXE file every time you tried to open it. Yeah. So that was causing some really long load times for people. Yeah. But God, I've I've put fifteen hours into this game already, and I'm still just I'm. I'm Do you want to try a, a multiplayer tonight? Well, no, we got Brian and Beth here going to the movies, and we got. Oh, you're going to the movie. You're going to Doctor Strange. Do you want to try a multiplayer later this week? Uh, yes, yes, he did just suggest I play my I spend my day playing this game. Correct. Yes, we do have adulting to do. Okay, we have more leaves, and we got to get set. We're going down to Florida next week. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Hey, were we going to talk about uh, a leaf blower, or is that next next week? That's, well, two weeks, because I'm probably going to do a random topic recap next week, because okay. we're going to be busy. Yeah, because you'll be in Florida. In Florida, yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, I, six, it just, it, I, I, I feel encourage like it's you, bogged in the details. I encourage you not to give up. I encourage you to, to have your, trust your cities to automate a little more. And don't, as you play it more, you will, you will learn what becomes important, what becomes not important. So... Picking where to put your district is a strategic decision sometimes. Yes. Other times, it won't make a difference. Also, try playing a, a more aggressive game. Yeah, no, that's what I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to probably pull up, like, be Aztec or something and just... Yeah, and also, play on a harder difficulty. If you're playing through Settler and you're feeling like you're not doing much, it's probably because you don't have to do much to win on Settler. Well, it's... it's I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to stop playing it. That's for certain. I'm, you know. Okay. But would you recommend it? If someone said, you know, I've got like 60 bucks and I'm thinking about buying Civ 6. I, I, have you played the other Civ games before? That's because it's, it's more Civ. Yeah. It's more, it's more but, Civ than what but, it used to be. I mean, if they, if it's a choice between buying Civ 5 and Civ 6, Ooh. Right, Civ 5 is way cheaper right now. Yeah. Would you rather be playing Civ 5? I don't know. Maybe actually. With all the expansions. Well, I wouldn't want to do Beyond Earth, but. That's the other problem. Well, it's not an expansion, even though it is. It's not. Yeah. That's the other thing is this is Civ 6 release. Yes. And Civ games ever since Civ three or four have undergone this process of release is okay. It's cute. It's got some neat things like in this one, it's still hex based, but you can have uh, armies join together and make cores and it's, they're better than they are. It's it's still not like the stack of doom. They've not said you can do this infinitely, Uh, but you can put different types of units on the same tile and you can have like um, an an artillery and a, um, a balloon, which, by the way, is a way, way, way. If you're thinking of going military, that is such an overpowered combo. The balloon bonus, you know what that does? No. It increases the range of of bombardments by one. Oh, jeez. It stacks. For every balloon that you have adjacent to a, a ranged unit like that, it increases it by one. Oh, goodness gracious. So you just get like four balloons around your one unit, and now it has a range of seven. Well, six. That's and still, it's, that's oh. It's so broken because it's like, oh, your city way the fuck over there uh, just got hit. And you have no chance to retaliate. You can't even get a unit to me fast enough to retaliate. Oh, it's so broken. But that's the thing. Like, the the first draft is is always kind of broken. It's it's, uh, got some very loose ends. And then they start producing expansions. And the expansions tweak systems and add new systems. 
and it, it feels it's a complete game, but it definitely will be improved and can be better. Oh, I think yeah. you should try playing more aggressive. I'll I'll try it. I started up on standard mode and I got beat up by so many barbarians. Oh my god. Play more aggressive. The barbarians. Oh boy. You had that same problem in Civ 5. They weren't I feel like they weren't this aggressive. I feel like you they had were aggressive. Same problem in Civ 5. I guarantee you you had the same problem in Civ 5. Alright, I'm just gonna I right. yeah, no, I'm gonna keep trying. That's no I'm not I'm not gonna, you know. Yep, I'm I'm sure you will. So random topic oh yeah forgot that that exists too <laughs> you forgot the random topic random topic what do we got rolled ahead of time if the podcast was a movie what genre would it be buddy cop yeah no that's <laughs> it's, it's exactly what i was gonna go for too yeah like that's, that's not a question yeah, anything no, else buddy cop yeah no it's a it's a buddy cop movie it's, it's or what's what would you call like the odd couple the odd couple that was the show, right? The Odd Couple? Or the movie, or the play. Sure. Uh, well, it's a comedy. No, that's... that's. Yeah, this is this is either a buddy cop or a comedy. Well, no, yeah, it's... Well, you could be... It could be like a, like a buddy cop comedy, kind of like a, a, Turner, a Turner and Hooch. Yep. No, but yeah, no, this is definitely... <laughs> we, we don't we don't got drama. Yep. We're not horror. I love. Yeah, by the way, I, no, that, oh yes, we have we have called, drama. We don't have like drama drama. We both came to this conclusion without discussion, yes. and both had it just right there. So I think yep. that's what it is. Just period. Yeah. No buddy cop. We we gotta be a buddy cop. That's just yeah. So, yeah. No, no horror. No no drama. Could be some it's sci-fi not a rom-com. stuff. Well, no no rom com. No rom com. <laughs> just no. Nope. Yep. Yeah, nope. Sorry, Dave. I'm not falling for you. Oh, sad. All right. I think we're good. <laughs> no, no, no. Yep, no. All right. That's a wrap. Okay, that's a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast or send us an email at mail at rapodcast.net. Thank you for listening.